Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Tony Bradshaw. Tony, are you ready to do this? Awesome, man. Ready to go. All right. Let's do this. Tony is the president at The Millionaire Choice and the author of The Millionaire the, the Millionaire Choice, Millionaire or Not, You Can Choose. I'm excited to have you on. Tony, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up in a low-income family in East Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, for those of you that love country music. And I did not grow up a country music fan, by the way. I did not uh, find an affinity for country music until I was in my 20s and got invited to do some line dancing. Nice. Yeah, So, uh, but I've, I've learned to love it uh, since then a little bit. But anyway, um, yeah, I grew up in a low-income family and uh, didn't really see good money money habits modeled for me saw a lot of bad things modeled you know we had our bills our bills got didn't get paid our water got cut off our electricity got cut off um you know just any number of little things like that didn't wear the designer clothes that all the other kids in school were wearing uh and some of my clothes really should have been thrown away a few years sooner than they actually were so we just we we got we got our mileage out of our clothing and so yeah that's the environment i grew up in and i didn't really know any better you know as a kid you just kind of roll with it and kind of keep moving forward and then uh, I went off to college. My parents helped me get through college. We studied uh, mechanical engineering, so I got my mechanical engineering degree. And then got out of college, got my first job, and then I got that first W-2, you know, that first magic uh, piece of paper that says you get to pay all those taxes to Uncle Sam. And I looked at that thing, and I, my jaw just dropped, man. I looked at that, and I'm like, man, I made $39,000. I think prior to that, the most money I'd ever seen in my life may, may have been around five grand. It just it right. just wasn't that. It, you know, that's for a whole year. So I'm here. I am making, you know, eight times that. And I looked at it, I'm like, wow, where did all that money go? And it, it was a really short list. I took inventory, and it was a really short list. I had a car that I'd financed in the driveway, a computer that I had financed, a um, couple stereo pieces. You know, it was really nice stereo. I figured I was going to get married one day. My wife was going to bring the furniture, so I'd bring the stereo and the electronics. Smart. And uh, bought the TV, bought the stereo. You know, I still have all that stuff today, and 20 years later. And... I'm just like, wow, that that's a really short list. You know, this this could never happen again in my lifetime. Like I can never repeat what I did this last year and do it again. And so basically, you know, even though I made thirty nine thousand dollars, I was sixteen thousand dollars in debt, and that's a fifty five thousand dollar move in the wrong direction. And so it was with that information, it just kinda I woke up and I'm like, you know, that's a mistake. I can't do that. So I went to the bookstore, learned everything I could about money, about over ninety days. And that's just kinda how I was wired to do. If I needed to learn something, I just went and learned it. And I popped my head up after 90 days and said, you know what? Money really is just a math problem, and I could do math pretty well. And uh, I think I could be a millionaire by the time I'm 40 years old. And so it was with that that I just started paying off all my debt as fast as I could. And the extra money I had, I just started socking it away into investments. Nice. So really, have you always been sort of a self-starter? And so when you saw something you wanted to do, you felt like, okay, I, I have the confidence or the know-how or it's just this is the way I'm wired. I'm going to solve this problem. Yeah, I think I've always been naturally curious about things. My mom always joked about me taking the back of the dryer off with a screwdriver when I was like two or three years old. Okay. And being really upset with me about that. Um <laughs> You know, and then I wanted to learn about cars, and so I started learning about cars through magazines and reading, and and I rebuilt my first engine in a car when I was, uh, I guess I was 15 years old, 
and um, you know did that by myself, just using manuals and books and things like that. And uh, all the material we need is really out there. You just got to be willing to read it and do the work uh, to learn what you need to learn and then apply it. And so, yeah, so I guess I could say I was a self-starter kind of since the early days. Yeah, I appreciate that. So growing up in, in sort of a, you know, sort of a financially messy home, I, I think that that's probably a story that a lot of people can relate to. Um, and you had that epiphany where you said that, well, I, I made a $55,000 move in the wrong direction and you sort of made that change for, for people that maybe haven't had that switch flipped on yet. How, how would you coach them to sort of recognize that maybe my, my early years were sort of in a dysfunctional financial uh, world, but I'm interested in changing that. Yeah, I think the first thing that's got to happen, and you know, after working in the financial industry for like 15 years, there has to be what I call a financial awakening. And for me, it was that it was that moment where I got that W two and looked around, and I'm like, man, I'm living in a studio bedroom apartment, paying 200 bucks a month in rent. Something's wrong here. And that was what I would call my financial awakening. It's really where your your financial reality kind of sets in. Like this is my reality. And um, I don't really like this reality. Like I don't want to stay here. And you have to make a conscious choice to do what you need to do to change that. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people kind of stay in that fi- their own financial reality, you know. And I could list dozens of people that were in my circle that kind of stayed in that same place, even though I was moving out of that that area. And uh, yeah, go ahead. No, that's that's, that's what I was going to say. It's a uh, it's you, you sort of get caught in that orbit, right? Yeah, yeah, and and people get had need to get unstuck. For me, it was that you know recognizing the financial reality, but then the hard part I think is is creating a new vision or dream for yourself, and uh, sometimes that's a little bit harder actually because I don't think people naturally know how to dream or you know create a new vision for their own lives, and that's where I think the real help comes in. Um, I think I was very fortunate because I'm naturally a dreamer and a visionary. And so it was easy for me to make that jump from being broke to saying, hey, I'm going to be a 40 million. I'm going to be worth a million bucks when I'm 40 years old. And I, it was easy for me to, to envision that, you know, and I see a lot of friends of mine that it's not as easy for them to envision that. And so I think that's a, a struggle. That's kind of the purpose behind my book is I really want to encourage people to face their financial reality, but also envision and, and dream about a different reality that they can create for themselves. And that's, I, I, I certainly agree. And I also agree that I think that financial success is available to everyone. It's just a matter of making the choice to your point. Yes, I do want to move in that direction. The information is available to me, but maybe they need some tools on how to actually paint that picture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I think a lot of people, when I started talking about my book to some people, it's obvious that you're going to run into people who just make excuses um, the one <laughs> you can see, you can see it coming too when you talk about your book and then the guy's face changes and he just, the first words out of his mouth are, uh, you know, those are just people who are in the right place at the right time. Mm. And that's just wrong. It's not true. I wasn't in the right place at the right time. I decided to live my life differently, you know, and live it according to financial principles that all wealthy people live by, you know, and that's, that's the thing. It's not like new stuff. It's been out there for years and years and years, you know, well before I was even born, people just don't do it. Not everyone does it. But if everyone did do it, they would all end up in the same place. That's what's so amazing to me is that if you just follow the playbook, 
your whole life's going to change. Your whole family's going to change. Your whole every generation after you is going to change. You just have to be the one to take that first step in your family. Well, that's certainly a powerful thing right there. So let's 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 go through this playbook. Sure thing. You want me to run through it, or you want to do it? No, I'd love to. <laughs> you please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So uh, the big thing. I mean, when I wrote my book. I kind of wondered, you know, like there are hundreds of books out there that are amazing, you know, uh, The Millionaire Next Door, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Um, I really had to sit down and go, what do I really have to offer that is a little bit different than what everybody else has to offer? And so to do that, I had to really dig back into what actually made me successful versus, you know, what made some of these other guys successful. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, he's a, a real estate guy. And I really came back to, you know, my parents, even though they weren't rich or wealthy or anything like that, there were some good foundational elements that they did give me. And those are the ones that first made it into my book. And so what I've created is what's called the 10 Keys of the Millionaire. And it's the 10 keys that I felt like applied to my life that actually allowed me to break off that, you know, financially mismanaged home and, 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 you know, messy financial life growing up. And so the first one doesn't even have anything to do about money. It has to do with character. I don't believe you can build or keep wealth if you don't have strong character. For the, So the first millionaire key is develop strong character. And I really just deal with five dimensions of character, which is integrity, responsibility, uh, work ethic, self-discipline, and focus. And so I specifically start with responsibility and integrity because if you look at any successful person's list, those two things are going to be near the top on any of their list on why they're successful. They're going to talk about their integrity, you know, saying what they saying what they're going to do and then following through with it, and that people can trust them. And so that those are really big things. Um, the next key is maximizing your time, and this is where it gets really sad because a lot of people go, you know, why why am I not getting ahead? Why am I just stuck in where I'm the place I'm at? And the reality comes down to it's your time management. So one of the things I was able to do pretty early in life is. Uh, you know, redeem my time to a certain level. So I got interested in things. And then instead of watching TV or wasting my time doing things, I would spend time learning these new things that were uh, beneficial to me. So for example, when the internet came out back in, you know, the nineties got really big, came out before then, but started getting bigger in the nineties, back when Bill Gates finally admitted that the internet was going to be useful. Um, I kind of just wanted to learn about it and I learned how to program. And so I dropped a thousand dollars on a piece of server software and I told my wife, you know, it's a lot of money to us. And I said, you know what? I need to learn how to do this. And I spent $1,000. This was before Microsoft really had any technology for the web. And um, and this was, this was the only thing out there. And it was a copy of Cold Fusion, a Lair's Cold Fusion. And uh, I learned how to program. I self-taught programmer. And that allowed me to move out of the you know, engineering space into a much more uh, growing and what would become – you know, that one of the top tech sectors, you know, you know how much money all these internet companies are making these days. And it allowed me to move uh, from a sector that was kind of stagnant income wise to a, st- uh, a market segment that was actually income rich. And so I was able to monetize that and become, uh, you know, more successful in that space. There was more opportunity. And I would still say that's true today. Um, but those are things. The thing about time is uh, a lot of people today, if you look at the statistics, a lot of people are just wasting their time. So the average American spends 122 hours a month watching television, you know, Netflix, those kind of things. Yikes. And yeah, I mean, it's a full-time job. So you're working a full-time job, whatever your job is, and then you're coming home and spending a full-time job's worth of effort watching television. 
and it's really an escape, you know. That's what that's what entertainment is, and it's an escape. And unfortunately, it it ruins your potential for your future. It takes away your opportunity. And so, something my wife and I've chosen to do here in the last three years is just forget TV altogether. We don't. It hardly ever even comes on in the house. We've got it, and we'll use it for family night to watch a movie or something like that. But literally, the thing's barely ever on in the house. And um, and I've never really been a big TV watcher. But when you look at that statistic nationally for Americans and you go, why are 75 percent of people living paycheck to paycheck? Well, a big chunk of that is because they're not investing in themselves and making themselves more valuable in the marketplace where they can get a better income. And and that's a big that's a big one. But, you know, you need to use your time well. And then after that's when I start to get into the money. So when you talk about the 10 keys of the millionaire, uh, just like I did when I was 25, I wanted to get smart about money. So I I couldn't learn from my parents. They didn't know anything. My grandparents didn't do much better. Um, I didn't I didn't really have a, a person in my life that could teach me about money. So I had to do what I knew how to do, which is go read and learn. And I went to Books A Million out here in Nashville, Rivergate area, which is still there. The bookstore is still there. And just started learning everything I could from Smart Money Magazine, Kiplinger's Magazine, and uh, the other resources that were available back then. Today, you know, you, of course, you get on the Internet and learn stuff. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I just gobbled up everything I could. And so I believe, you know, just like we spend so much time in school and we're learning about math and science and English and name any other subject for 12 years that, you know, our school system teaches us about those subjects and they spend no time teaching us about personal finance. So you've got to do it on your own and you got to keep going. You know, money, learn about money doesn't just stop after you read one book. You got to keep going. It's a lifelong journey. And the smarter you get with it, the more mastery you gain over it. And so I really believe that. And so the third millionaire key is called Get Money Smart. And then after that, I talk about finding a money mentor, somebody that's smarter about money in your life than you are. So you don't want to learn Spanish from an English-speaking person. It's probably not going to help you a lot, right? And so money's a different language, so you need to know somebody that knows the money language. And that's what a financial money mentor is um, and a financial advisor too. So I believe you need two of those. You need an advisor and you need a money mentor. They're different because a money mentor is a person who has found some success with money, preferably a millionaire, uh, but not necessarily have to be a millionaire. But you can find those around, either somebody you work with, you know, maybe a boss or something like that. But look until you find one. But uh, a financial advisor, usually they're going to point you in one direction, which is towards the stock market. And there's a lot of other money-making opportunities and things you need to do with your money other than just sticking them in the stock market. The stock market is a key component, but it's not the only component. You won't find the financial advisor that tells you to go buy real estate or buy a rental property. Right. And the reason is they don't make any money off of, that, off of you that way. So they're not going to tell you to go do that. And so, But it's an important part of your portfolio. Um, and then you get into watching your money, which is budgeting. I call it spending plan. Every time I talk to somebody about budgeting, whether it be man or woman, everybody tenses up and gets nervous. They're like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do a budget. The hair on my neck just stood up. That's right. And so I call it a spending plan because it's a lot more fun to figure out where to spend your money than it is to budget it. And I really believe the spending plan needs to be simple. And my plan was very simple when I you know, started figuring out, trying to get things on track. So I break the, the spending plan down into four categories. I break it down into living money, which is the money you need to live on every day, you know, pay your rent, pay your food. You know, what are the necessities that you have to have? That way you can keep control of your lifestyle. Like what am I spending my money on that's important? And that stuff's very controllable, right? So it doesn't change that much. It's all – today it's all auto-debited right out of your account. So it's not going to you know, jump or you're not going to overspend that category. That category is going to stay relatively flat. The next most important category is your wealth money. 
And so that's the one. Th- these two categories are the most important categories if you're going to try to figure out how to you know, become a millionaire or build wealth because those are the ones you have the most control over that affect you on a daily basis. So one, you want to get it down as low as possible, obviously, or what's reasonable. The next one is going to be how fast you're going to become a millionaire, and you want to sock as much money into that category as possible uh, early on, especially like in your 20s because that's where your wealth is going to come from. The problem is a lot of people don't think that way, and they don't think about how much money they're putting back. I don't like – personally, I don't like the 15% retirement number that a lot of financial advisors quote Mm -hmm. um, because it's not absolute. 15% 15% of 50,000 is not a lot of money. 15% of, you know, 100,000, well that's quite a bit of money. It's 15 grand. That's yeah. pretty good. Uh 15% of 200,000 is 30,000. But I don't care about percentages. What I care about is absolute numbers. And so when I use absolute numbers, I can base and create absolute calculations that tell me exactly what, you know, where I'm going to end up. And so those things are important to me, and I want to jack that number up as much as possible. So, for example, when I wasn't making a lot of money, that might have looked like 500 bucks a month, $6,000 a year. But as my salary went up, that number started to look more like two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 a month. And so I was able to increase that number, and I knew exactly what that number was going to do to my future. And so I want to watch those two numbers. After that, you get into – Um, your play money and your other money, which are both flexible kind of spending accounts. And those are the ones where you can get in trouble. But as long as you keep your, you know, your metrics on those, those two big numbers, which is your living money and your wealth money, you're going to be okay. And so you're going to keep moving forward and you just got to make sure you don't, you know, blow things up. And that way your spending plan's a little bit more simple because you go, Hey, I got two knobs that are really important. And then I can go have some fun with my other stuff. As long as I watch those two knobs and make sure they're in balance, I'm in pretty good shape. Got it. Yeah, and then after that, you get into the. I'll blow through these last uh, last five. You know, I, I'm not a debt fan. Some people like debt, leveraging debt. I personally am not, and so I've ha- I haven't had a credit card since 2000, probably maybe even before that. Haven't had any car debt since before that, and so we've paid cash for all of our cars. You know, we started with a $3,500 Buick and just worked our way up. And uh, my latest car, my latest cars, I paid like 50 grand for a Corvette, 2012 Corvette. And just sold that for a Jeep, which, by the way, is my favorite car of all time. Nice. <laughs> we got stuck in the mud a couple uh, a couple times four-wheeling, so I promised I wouldn't go back out until I get a winch on that thing. <laughs> but uh, what fortunately, we were able to get out of it. But uh, having three girls in the backseat of a Jeep when you're off-road, that's quite the experience, just believe me. And... Uh, yeah, so – and they keep your expenses low. A lot of people, when they start their – inc- in, their income starts going up – they make the mistake of starting to spend more money, and they spend their raises, and they spend their opportunities. And you really need to look at every dollar you get as an opportunity to build more wealth for later. It's okay to spend some of that money, but just realize what you're doing with it. I was so pleased. Uh, one of my childhood friends from second grade – I've known him since second grade. We went to school uh, second grade through 12th grade, and he just read my book, and he, he sent me a – sent me a, a note and said, hey, man, I just want to let you know I got my raise this year. And I put it all into wealth money. Nice. And I'm like, man, it makes me feel so good that somebody that I've known for so long has taken this and applied it to their lives. And um, and, and you know, that's really it's really about is you know if he, and if he does that for the next three, four, five years, that's a, that's going to be a lot of money going into his wealth money bucket, and he he's going to end up in a good place. No doubt. Yeah, and so uh, then the last three are saving and invest aggressively, boost your income. A lot of people get income stagnant. And then lastly, kind of bringing it all together, and I think this is one of the special things about my book versus, uh, say, somebody else's, is a lot of times you get financial plans and you get investment plans and you get all this stuff. But I really want you to create a millionaire plan. 
And so I know that if you can take everything that you learn in my book and other books and you go, hey, I'm going to be a millionaire on this date. For me, it was, you know, by age 40 and I was able to hit it before I turned 41 in uh, 2001. No, no, no. 2011. <laughs> I'm dating myself a little bit there. I get lost uh, trying to keep track of all my kids' birthdays. And sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, create your own millionaire plan. Says, hey, I'm gonna be a millionaire on this specific date, like this year. Now it, it, things may change. You know, my my plans changed. Uh, when I made my first millionaire plan, I didn't have marriage figured into it. I knew I was gonna get married, but I had no idea what kind of impact that was gonna have. And along comes my my beautiful wife with twenty thousand dollars in debt, and so I was out of debt. But she wasn't. And so I started paying on her debt, you know, while we were engaged. And then out comes kid number one, kid number two, three, four, five, six. All of those threw wrinkles into my financial plan. For sure. My, mil- my, my, my millionaire plan. But we were able to stay on track and make adjustments and still hit that date. And so and I think that's the key is you go, hey, here's my plan. It's going to I'm going to have to adjust things, but at least I've got it and I'm moving forward. So that's that's kind of the nutshell, the 10 keys of the millionaire and uh, what I'm excited about is just everybody that's kind of grabbing hold of this and doing something with it so far. Well, I think it's such a powerful thing, and, and I, I, I think it's it's awesome, and I agree that if people did grab a hold of this and if they did follow the steps, the, uh, the, the, the playbook as you referenced it, I you know, certainly can't guarantee anything, but I bet they'd be in pretty good position to be financially successful and become a millionaire. So I appreciate that very much. And taking responsibility over all of it, which is why that's number one and having integrity. And I think that that's probably the linchpin. So I appreciate that. Well, Tony, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Oh, wow. Uh, you're Savage Nation. You get some people who are really uh, interested in turning things around and making some money. Um, I would tell you um, my biggest tip would be, you know, what what's really driving you? forward a lot of people get caught up in wealth is like why why am i want to be wealthy like even with my book it's like the millionaire choice why are you so focused on you know wealth and stuff and here's the reality the reason that i'm driven to make wealth is because i want to help people you know it's not just about me i want to do i want to do a couple things i want to enjoy life and i want to help people and money allows you to do that and so i would say find your purpose on why you're trying to do those things like for you know whether it's you know get your money on track or whatever you want to do in life and that would be the tip would be uh, find your purpose that's driving you because that's going to help you through the bad times and the good and to inspire you to keep moving forward even when there's challenges that, that are that cause you to struggle. Just keep your eye on the ball. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. And Tony, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can, get, where can they get a copy of the book? Yeah, you can grab the book at any major retailer online. Uh, you might not find it in the actual bookstores, but you'll find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, Target, any of those places. Um, you can also find more information, blogging information, things like that, articles I write at TonyBradshaw.com and TheMillionaireChoice.com. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tony your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to TonyBradshaw.com. What was the other website? TheMillionaireChoice.com. TheMillionaireChoice.com. Pick up a copy of the book, and I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Tony. Hey, thank you for having me on. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight, because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!